Let's get to Hebrews chapter 1. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verses 1 through 3. The scripture says in chapter 1, Hebrews, verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he has made the worlds, who being, this is speaking of Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And I know there's a further thoughts here, but that's as far as the Spirit would have me to take us today. If you ain't got what you needed today as of yet, God's not finished with you. Stretch your hands in my direction. Would you, would you offer a prayer for me in the name of the Lord? Offer that God would anoint me so I can be a blessing to you and that we can each other. Pray with me, everyone. Father, I bless you and honor you this morning. Come on, everybody. Just say, God, come and dwell among us with your word. Father, I, I thank you for this wonderful crowd, a church full at the 9 o'clock service on this July morning. And Father, it is not by our might nor by our power that we get what we need, but by the Spirit of God in us. I pray for refreshing and renewing upon our minds. Amen, church. I pray you give us an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the church. I pray you give us a mind to understand what the Spirit would have us to understand. Give us the discipline and the desire and the determination to obey the Word of God. And God, I believe that we are not going to leave this house of worship today like we came. I believe, oh God, that whenever we are in your presence, we get lifted up. We get added to. We get transformed. We get revelation. So make us one in your word. Unite us in your word. And for others here that need their healing, I pray for it to happen even right now as we expect and believe in faith that all things are possible with you. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Thank you for your worship. Praise the Lord. I, I, I want to continue a series of lessons entitled, I Never Thought I'd See Today. And I want to address particularly today, I never thought I'd see today when Jesus would be so disrespected. So let's get right into the heart of things. In my preparation for this message, in searching and researching, particularly in reading Dr. David Jeremiah's book by the title, I Never Thought I'd See Today, from which I got the inspiration for this series, I came to this particular occasion when the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, was intensely disregarded. It's not the first time. And because of the climate of our culture, because of media and entertainment, unfortunately it won't be the last time. But I'll note to you this. In 2010, the makers of Doritos Corn Chips created a contest to choose a video commercial to be shown during the 2011 Super Bowl. One of the entries to this contest 
although not chosen and aired and sanctioned by Doritos Corn Chips, was nevertheless picked up by various websites and viewed by thousands of people. As I make this observation, in the commercial, a priest, a Catholic priest, and, and I share this with you not for your entertainment, because it has no entertainment value for me. And it shouldn't for you. So I'm not expecting the response that it was trying to elicit. In, in this video, commercial video, a Catholic priest is praying for ideas on how he might boost attendance in church. And so, as he prays, heaven re- releases a solution, supposedly heaven does. And it is to replace the bread of the wafer in communion that we use with Doritos corn chips. Now Catholics, as you might suppose, found the commercial especially insensitive because according to the doctrine of the Catholic Church, they believe that the bread in the process of what's called transubstantiation, the bread of the communion, literally becomes the body of the Lord Jesus Christ when you eat it. But that's not the worst of the offense. On January 13, 2011, Stephen Colbert, the host of Comedy Central's The Colbert Report, raised the level of insensitivity to new heights when on his comedy show, he spoofed the controversial Doritos ad on his show. The following is a transcript of a part of that commercial and how comedian Stephen Colbert depicted it. He, on his show, he said, Now folks, I may be a devout Catholic, but I'm also a devout corporate, and he used a curse word. The audience laughed, cheered. After he said that, he pulled out a bag of Doritos nacho chips from under his desk and held them up. And he proceeded to say, I know the Eucharist, the communion, the bread of the communion, is usually bread. But through transubstantiation, it becomes the body of Christ. So he says, I honestly don't understand why can't Jesus be a Dorito? To which the audience laughed and a picture of Jesus appeared on the screen behind him. He continues, holding up a Dorito chip, he says, there are unleavened. And he proceeded to say, after all, Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins. To which the whole audience laughed. And he proceeded to say, and remember he said, that at the Last Supper, according to Mark 14 and 20, and on the screen behind him, the scripture of Mark 14 and 20 came on the screen. He said, according to Mark 14 and 20, at the Last Supper of Jesus, Jesus said that he would be betrayed by one of the twelve who dips with him in the bowl. The audience laughs. The image of the scriptures on the screen. Stephen Colbert said they had dip. Therefore, Jesus was a chip. And everybody laughs. 
And he proceeds to say, everybody knows that the Catholic Church can use a little extra scratch right now. And he says, what better way than product placement in the communion service? Next Ash Wednesday, we can all get our foreheads, he said, marked with Cheeto dusk. And he had a, a picture on the screen of a man at a worship era with the dust of a cross, in the shape of a cross, on his head. Simply saying... That nothing is sacred, not even the communion of Christ. Now, I, I single him out not because he's the only offender. I single him out because it is the spirit of the times that we are living in. Many people in the public eye in America who want to live with no boundaries and under no one's authority are promoting the mentality that nothing is sacred anymore. If it is, it shouldn't be. Let's just get over it. There seems to be in America an uncommon brazenness in the entertainment world to cross the line of anything that is sacred, especially when it comes to the holiness and the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. In many places and expressions of our culture, Jesus is being reduced from his biblical stature of divine and holy to a characterization of what is crude and common. When people in America and around the world watch television shows like The Simpsons and South Park, these shows, brothers and sisters, that dishonor the Lord Jesus Christ. When people in America listen to celebrities in the media and entertainment and in news and in talk show hosts in America, and they watch how these people dishonor and disrespect and profane the Lord Jesus Christ, it changes the mindset. It changes our perception and our values of the things that God has called us to place in high regard. In America, we are becoming desensitized to many things holy under the guise of entertainment and comedy. I'm back. We are desensitized to fornication and adultery under the guise of threes of company. Somebody help me here. We're desensitized to homosexuality and lesbianism because we got men like Anderson Cooper and women like Ellen DeGeneres who have their own shows. And because they have high notoriety and they've come out of the closet, we are desensitized. And because it's okay for these high visibility people, we Christians begin sometimes to wonder if it's okay. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, that when we disregard the Word of God, we disregard the Messiah who is Jesus. It can be a challenge to live in a culture where anything goes while trying to remember that not everything should go. The Apostle Paul says it this way. I'll have you note, back up one slide if you will for me. Here's how he talks about how we should address culture and the mores of culture. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify or lift up. Just because we have the freedom of speech in America, which is lawful, 
does not mean it is edifying to profane the Lord Jesus Christ and use Him as the content of comedy or any kind of common characterization. We may have the freedom of speech, but it's not edifying to blaspheme God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. It's condemning. As Christians... As Christians, we are personally obligated to censor what we approve, what we call entertainment. As Christians, we are personally obligated to censor what we say and think and what we tolerate in this supposedly civil and moral culture we live in. Paul says this in Philippians 4 and 8. Look at the screen and I'll read it. Finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Please hear me when I tell you that this word meditate implies censorship. This word meditate on these things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of a good report. That the word implies making a deliberate choice. Paul says as we live in a culture and a climate where Jesus is being profaned, the Bible is being profaned, the cross is being profaned, Paul says we got to meditate, make up our mind, censor, and choose more of the Word of God and less of the world and the flesh and the devil. Hear me when I tell you, church, as Christians, it is very easy to get squeezed into the mold of this world. And if we do not constantly filter out the profane, we will find ourselves condoning and blessing the things that God cannot bless. Now... Let me hasten to tell you that the arena of the media and entertainment is not the only place where Jesus has been disrespected and continues to be disrespected. There's another group known as Bible scholars who call themselves Bible scholars. But after you get the analysis of their scholarship, you wonder what Bible they're reading. Uh, Oh, wow. Some of the worst offenders of the personage deity of Jesus Christ comes from a, a source you would least expect, Bible scholars. And you have to ask yourself, how can such a thing happen? And the answer is as old as Adam and Eve. It happens because of the tendency of fallen human beings to trust their own minds instead of trusting the Word of God. And in the case of Bible scholars, it takes the form of elevating human reason above biblical revelation. Just because I don't understand how God created the heavens and the earth in seven days doesn't mean God didn't create the heavens and the earth. Just because I can't figure out 
how God causes the wind to blow from the east and the west and the north and the south in his time. Just because I can't figure out spring and summer and fall and winter doesn't mean God didn't do it. Just because I can't figure out how God stops the oceans at the shore and doesn't drown the world again with a flood doesn't mean that God isn't in control. Just because I can't figure out how God can take a black heart and dip it in red blood and make it whiter than the snow doesn't mean I'm not born again by the blood of Jesus. Somebody wake up and praise the Lord in this house. I'm not supposed to reason everything about God. If I could, I'd be God. You'd be God. I'm thankful that you are not God and I'm not God. Like Brother Willie says, he's God all by himself. He doesn't need my help. Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm just in the introduction here. There's a group of biblical scholars in America known as the Jesus Seminar. You might have heard of them. They began in 1985 with two supposed Bible scholars who wanted to advance religious literacy among the general public. These are two scholars figured that too much of biblical interpretation was restricted to seminary and Bible colleges. So we're just going to get the general public involved by taking the scriptures and making them aware of what it means. The Jesus Seminar have taken it upon themselves to decide what is believable about Jesus and what is not. They have devised an interesting way for arriving at decisions about the sayings and events of the life of Jesus. At the meetings of the Jesus Seminar, now over 200 and more strong of supposed scholars, at the meetings, the members vote on the words of Jesus and the acts of Jesus by submitting a small bead of four colors, each expressing his or her view on the saying or events of the life of Jesus. The attendees to the Jesus Seminar will take the Gospels and other recordings of the life of Jesus from other writers. And they will have a conference and maybe they'll look at the Sermon on the Mount and they'll put it on the table. Or maybe they'll look at Jesus casting out demons or walking on the water. An event. Jesus feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fish and having 12 baskets left over. Jesus' teachings on the Sermon on the Mount on marriage, divorce, adultery, fornication, etc. And they lay a certain event out on the table and say, what do you think? With a red bead... On the table, those who put the red bead on the table about this event or saying, it means that this is an authentic saying or event in the life of Jesus. There's a pink bead. The pink bead says this is somewhat likely to have been said by Jesus or somewhat likely to have been done by Jesus. There's a gray bead which says it's somewhat unlikely to be a saying of Jesus or an event of Jesus. And then there is the black bead. 
when it's placed on the table by the scholars, it means a non-authentic saying or event in the life of Jesus. Now, the problem with the Jesus seminar is as follows. They base their work on two assumptions. Number one, that Jesus of Nazareth is a human being like all others. The second assumption is that the Bible is a book like all other books. There is nothing supernatural about either, they say. So what they have done, they're saying it's up to the combined wisdom of a couple of hundred self-appointed experts to pronounce 2,000 years after the facts of Jesus' saying and events what is true about Jesus and what is not. This would not be so alarming, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, if these people met solely for their own mutual entertainment. But they have published their books and they have broadcast their radical beliefs about Jesus to many people and many who have read their interpretation of the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus has taken it as if it's authoritative and scholarly and the final word, they're taking their word, the Jesus seminar, as the final word on the life of Jesus and they are misleading thousands. Folks are buying into their interpretation of the beads. You can keep your beads. I'll keep my book. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. This book, and especially the Gospels. I'm just doing a little teaching here. The whoop glory will come and look. Just a little teaching. Especially the Gospels. That record the life and ministry of Jesus were written by eyewitnesses they were there when he stood on the side of a mountain and taught what we now know as a sermon on the mount and they wrote it down they were there in the boat a few of them oh another whoop glory is coming when 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 they were crossing at midnight to the other side and a storm blew up my lord and jesus came walking on the water and they thought he was a ghost but he came on board and calmed they were there and they wrote it down for us to understand they were there when jesus stopped the funeral procession of a mother who lost her only boy and jesus came up to the casket and spoke life into him the widow of name and he came back to life somebody help me preach they, they, they were there brothers and sisters when he told Lazarus who had been buried for four days and his body embalmed and by that time being buried for four days his body began to decompose and he smelled rotten but Jesus said Lazarus come forth they wrote it down like it happened they were there when Jesus was nailed to the cross outside of Jerusalem on a hill called Golgotha they were there when they went looking for his body and they couldn't find his body because like Jesus said on the third day I will arise again you can keep your beads you can keep your red and your pink and your purple and your black but I'll keep the saying the word of God because it's changed my life and it has changed millions if you've been changed by the power of God give him some praise yeah Yes, give him some praise. This is not somebody's hallucination. This is not somebody's imagination. The Holy Ghost anointed man of God to write down the word. 
Oh, hallelujah. You see, I, I got more message than I got volume and body. We get in trouble when we elevate human reason above biblical revelation. Let me tell you, we got airline pilots, captains in this congregation. And when I go to fly, I don't stop over the cabin door and say, Now, how does this thing take off again? Uh, how much pounds does it weigh? And is this your first flight, Mr. Pilot? out, Brother David, how tons of steel, especially when I see what people put over my head when I'm sitting down. They brought their grandma, their grandpa in the kitchen sink and put it right over my head. No telling what they put under where I'm sitting. My wife says she has a hard time when we go landing from, you know, flying because such a monstrosity of jets. I say I have a hard time. We just go taking off. Can this thing get... I can't figure out all that aerodynamics work, but I'd rather fly than walk. I'd rather fly than drive. We got medical doctors who come to this church. I'm grateful for you. And you got to have a process done. I don't go asking. Now be sure to connect this to that. And remember, it's a left toe. On the left foot. I don't go asking, and how long have you been doing this? And am I your first patient? I already got all that worked out, you see. I, my reasoning can't figure out how planes fly and how the human body work. I just take it by faith. <laughs> and if I can trust man by faith, you know I can trust the God who made man to take care of my problems. Don't worry, I'm still in the introduction. Here's another place. The church. Where Jesus is being disrespected. The church. Because there are people who are so bold and brazen in these last days. To take this book. And preach as doctrine. What is contrary to the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody hearing me? It seemed like everything Jesus taught in the Bible through the years have been abused in one form or the other. Now, you see, I I believe that God wants your body well. And I believe that God wants you to prosper and be in good health. But God never said that you ain't never going to have a pain after you get saved and you're never going to owe a bill. Okay? God said he would supply all of our needs. And and, and we got a lot of people in America who are preaching uh, riches and good health all the time. And if you're not, then you are a sinner or your faith is weak. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and suffer through it if you don't believe it that way until you hear it. Or go ahead and thank God for it because you know it's the truth. I, I just got through. I just got through reading the book of Job for the 27th time. And it never changes. Every time I read it. I like some of these movies, you know, I like some of these Independence Day movies, you know, with Will Smith. I looked at some, I like that kind of like Iron Man movie. I know, I know, yeah, yeah. When you're about as big as I am, you've got to find other heroes than yourself. Okay? And it always ends the same way, the movies. I don't care if you saw it five times or one time or 50 times. Can I get a witness? 
And I've read the book of Job 27 times. And Job was a righteous man. Uh, the most, one of the most righteous men in the east. One of the most wealthiest men in, 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 in the place of his geographical location. And God allowed the devil to test him. Because the devil told God, the only reason why Job is serving you is because you're blessing, blessing, blessing. But you take away your blessing and he'll curse you. And God says there may be others doing that. But Job is a man of God. Go ahead and test him. And see how he comes out. I ain't here to preach about Job, but I'm here to tell you he lost everything. He lost his cattle, he lost his sheep, he lost his ten children, he lost his health, and he almost lost his wife. But he stayed strong, proving that I'm not just serving God for good times only. Can I get? He stayed strong to show you and I that the righteous of God will suffer persecution. He stayed strong to show you and I that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. When my wife gets her eyes healed, I'll have something bigger to praise him for. Hey, Cindy, I'm just seeing you right now. I remember you, Harry, you and Cindy, when you went through your storm. It, and, and not because you, uh, you founded it, but I, I knew you became stronger in God. So, somebody here, hear me and help me. When I, when I come through this, I'm saying, oh God, if you count me worthy enough to suffer for you, then when I get my blessing, I'm going to give you the praise. Let, let me tell you. I'm telling you, the church, the doctrine to, for, for preachers in America to get up who are known homosexuals, for women to get up who are known lesbians and take the Bible and preach and tailor make the word. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I didn't get a little too much, son. This is my natural color. So, hang in there. Okay. Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters had a special this week on heaven. Anybody caught that? She visited various religious systems, denominations, and their leadership. Remember? All the way to Tibet and the Dalai Lama. I don't have a clue what that name means. Asking, what is your concept about heaven? So she visited a Mormon temple. Salt Lake City. Ornate building. Because the Mormons, they have their interpretation of scripture. They have their own interpretation of scripture. Their own founder, Joseph Smith, got all the revelation. Through dreams and visions and all this kind of stuff. Not consistent with the Bible. Hear me, I'm not running for president. Mormons are not Christians. They're not Christians. I'm not here to offend you, okay? I'm not here to offend you, okay? But, but I'm here to tell you that one of the top ranking leaders in a face to face interview with Barbara Walters, sitting in an ornate room, they have rooms there in Salt Lake City, the temple. That are so on it and beautiful, people can come visit because it gives them a precursor of what heaven's going to be like. Barbara Walters said to the Mormon leader, the high-ranking Mormon leader, "What's your concept about everybody going to heaven? What about the Muslims? What about the non-Christians? 
What about the Hindus? What about the Buddhists? Everybody going to Christian to heaven? The Mormon leader says, there's coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's in the Bible. To the glory of the Father. And when they do that, even though they don't do it now, when they do it, when that day comes, they'll be saved and they'll go to heaven. Barbara Walters said, am I going to heaven? I don't know what a spiritual belief is. I guess. And I'll probably hit it right. Because you shall know them by their fruit. Somebody said, you shouldn't be judging, Pastor. No, but I'm a fruit inspector. I don't want no bad apple. I don't want no bad, bad peach. You all feeling a whoop glory down there? A man of high spiritual prominence in the Mormon world says everybody's going to heaven because one day they're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of the Father, when they didn't confess him here. Pardon me, sir, you are wrong. One day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord because they'll realize that Mormonism was wrong. That Islam was wrong. That Hinduism was wrong. And some of the other isms was wrong. But it will be too late. It will be too late. I make my preparations for my final destination while I am in this life. I have a choice. And I know I'm risking some of you thinking he is rather narrow-minded and bigoted in his thinking to assume that the only way to heaven is through God and Jesus. I didn't make that up. I didn't die for your sins. And I didn't write that Bible. Jesus said there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And I want to tell you, everybody has a choice. But whosoever chooses Jesus, I don't care if you're rich, you're poor, you're black, you're white, you're brown, you're yellow, you're red. I don't care if you got money or don't, or you're educated or not. Whosoever will, let him come. And Jesus said, he that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Jesus is not sending anybody to hell. Anybody who goes to hell knowing the truth of the way to life will go by their own election. (laughs) I'm still in the introduction. Ah, help me, Holy Ghost. What about our text? In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and I'm going to wrap it up here in a, in a little bit. Thank you. I was going to anyhow, but I just... Hey, my little clicker is, is a little delayed. My clicker is not clicking. You click my clicker back there. In these three verses, go to the next slide, please. In these three verses, there is more said about Jesus Christ in these one, three verses... In the book of Hebrews, than a lot of other places in the New Testament. And what, what you, whatever the world says Jesus Christ is based on their own reasoning or lack of, I choose to adhere to what He is and who He is by His works, by His word, by His miracle, and by the affirmation of His Father, God. Hebrews 1 and 2 says, pardon me, 1 and 1. God. 
who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Listen to this. Jesus is the final word of God. In the Old Testament, the way God communicated the revelation of who he is, was by communicating with different people at different times. Various times and various ways. So he spoke to Adam a little bit. He spoke to Moses a little bit. He spoke to Abraham a little bit. Various ways and various times. He spoke to David a little bit. Solomon a little bit. He spoke to the judges a little bit. He spoke to the prophets a little bit. And that's how he communicated in the Old Testament. He never gave one person in the Old Testament revelation all the revelation at the same time. But it changed in the New Testament. And, and here, here, here's how it worked in the, in the New Testament with the coming of Jesus. In John 1 and 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I don't want to insult your intelligence, but I don't want to presume you know. One of the titles for Jesus in the Bible is the Word. When Jesus came to the earth, He was not walking around just as one of us. He was God in a human body. When God wanted to communicate who He is to us, He took deity, meaning God Himself. The word deity means God. He took deity and poured it into humanity. We don't have to look for another word from God because He has spoken to us with finality in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, there, there is not going to be another Bible written. There is not going to be a new revelation of who Jesus is. There, there may be a reminder of His revelation, but there are not going to be new revelations because we hardly got the ones He's already given us. Somebody hear me, hear me now. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God does, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God says to do, look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness, somebody? He is the final Word of God. Not the Jesus seminar, not the government, not the education system, not the Hollywood type, not even preachers who are self-proclaimed preachers and not preaching the truth. Jesus is God's final word. Let me, let me show you something else. Jesus is the first cause of creation. Can I get another witness, somebody? You know, many of us read Genesis 1 and 1, and it says in Genesis 1 and 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and assumed that God is the sole Source responsible for creating everything that exists. And while that is true, you have to understand who God is. In the last phrase of Hebrews 1 and 2, look at the screen. It says, through Him, meaning through Jesus. Through Him, also, He, God, made the worlds. Through Jesus, who is God, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity was there when God created the world. Well, the Bible is very plain about it. Look at the screen again, please. And I'm moving with as much haste as I can. John 1, 1 through 3. Everybody with me? Say amen. Say amen louder. Here we go. John 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. And the Word was with God. That's Jesus. And the Word, Jesus, was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, Jesus. And without Him, Jesus, nothing was made that was made. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord. 
Oh, help me here, somebody. Jesus is the first cause of creation. Look on the screen, Colossians 1, 15 through 16. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. Somebody help me praise the Lord. Jesus is not God's junior assistant. Jesus is not God's apprentice. Jesus is God. Oh, am I thinking you don't have to yell? Yes, I do. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean what it says in Hebrews 1 and 3. Who? Jesus being this one. Who being the brightness of His glory. Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. Being God. And Jesus is the express image of the person of God. <laughs> you know when I'm away and I hear other preachers preach and I'm sitting out in the chair. I'm thinking, when are you going to shut up? If I ain't in it, I ain't plugged in, you know. So I try to be sympathetic towards you. Because I'm thinking, you know, not everybody on the same wavelength. But I, I want you to know that while you may not get all this right now, all of this will change your life. I, 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 help me, Holy Ghost. Look what it says in First John, in John 1, 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is the bosom of the, in the bosom of the Father, He has declared who God is. You see, we, we, nobody has seen the Father because the Father is spirit. But when the Father chose to reveal Himself 2,000 years ago, He told Mary, And behold, you shall conceive in your womb by the Holy Ghost. And this child born to you shall be known as Jesus. He shall be called the Son of the Highest. I, I, I got to hurry and tell you that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead. 1 Timothy 3.16 And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Say what you want to, Hollywood. I pray for you, and I don't want to curse you. See, it's not our business to curse, criticize, although we get all speared up. We've got to pray for these people. And sometimes, would you let me be a little human here? Sometimes I do pray for them. I do. I say, God, kill him. <laughs> I don't. I just do, just do that as a little device to get you. Can you imagine how people would be dead if you were God? I might be one of those. <laughs> Jesus is the fullness of God. Hebrews 1 and 8, but, the, but to the Son, God said this about His Son. To the Son, He says, God talking to His Son. Your throne, O oh God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. Hey, hey, listen to me. I know people saying, I don't believe Jesus is God. Well, if you don't believe Jesus is God, you've missed the understanding that God himself called Jesus God. And you are disagreeing with God. You are disagreeing with God because right here God says to the Son, Your throne, O oh God. Jesus is the facilitator of all things. 
Come, come to the music, please. Uh, let, me, let me show you this. You still in, in Hebrews? Hebrews 1.3. This is about Jesus. And upholding all things by the word of his power. I know there are atoms and molecular structures and DNA and all kinds of stuff that are part of the constitution, the fabric of we, us, chemical functions of things that hold things, gravitational pull. But the real sustainer of all things is Jesus. I said Jesus is the sister. He made it all and keeps it all. The Bible says, look in Colossians 1, 7. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. I'm hurrying. Jesus is the forgiveness of our sins. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hebrews 1 and 3. Help me, Holy Ghost. The Bible says of Jesus, he by himself. Purged our sins. That's it. He took off his royal robe 2,000 years ago. Took off his crown of deity and righteousness and glory. Laid down his scepter. Stepped down off the seat at the right hand of his father. Came in a way that you and I could understand him. As a baby born in a barn. He didn't choose to be born in a palace or in a king's house. Because that would only limit people's availability to him. Because they'd think he only came to kings and royalty. But he came to shepherds. In a, in a field on a night 2,000 and more years ago, the lowest of vocations, the lowest of jobs was being a shepherd. The, 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 the lowest of the social strata was being a shepherd. And the first who got the news that unto you a shokot, unto you a child is born. Uh, uh, unto you, uh, the, the ones who got the news the first were the shepherds. Jesus didn't come to be a politician. He didn't come to start his kingdom when he came the first time. He came to wash my sins away. I said he came to wash my sins away. So hear me and listen to me now. I'm closing. Look at me. The challenge for us then is what are we going to do with Jesus? What are we going to do with Jesus? Pilate asked the question when presented with Jesus at the time of his arrest and false accusations by the Jewish authorities. After Pilate had questioned Jesus and Jesus could have defended himself and rescued himself from the cross. Pilate says, I find no fault. In Jesus. You see, let me tell you this. Don't depend on America to protect Jesus. Okay? Don't, you, don't count on America. To, don't count on politicians to protect Jesus. The media to protect Jesus. Bible scholars to protect Jesus some. And don't, 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 don't count on even some in the church to protect Jesus. Hear me when I tell you, and I, I risk being arrogant in saying this, but I'm saying to tell you the truth. 
Jesus doesn't need any protection. You know what I found about Jesus? The more he is, his kingdom is persecuted, the more the church is tried and persecuted, the more the flames of revival spread. You, you want to know how to get your family united? You know, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your grandma, your grandpa, you all can't even get together the 4th of July because somebody will get mad at somebody. Yeah, I have family too, same thing. I hope auntie so-and-so don't come. God help us. She always wants a real plate when the rest of us want paper plate. Who's going to wash that real plate? You know, you, you, know, you know the fastest way to get your family united when you can't get along with your son or your daughter or your grandma or your grandpa or your aunt uncle? Let somebody from the outside attack them. Yeah. You already call them a lot of names, but you let somebody out there. You, you, you let somebody out there, the stranger, somebody. Bless God, you'll roll up your sleeve. You want some of this? Man, you get so tight if somebody persecutes your family. Help me preach, somebody here. Uh, you get so tight. You know your son ain't living right. Your daughter ain't living right. You know your grandchild ain't living right. You know somebody's shacking up out of marriage, living in sin. You know somebody. But you let somebody on the outside. You can say what you want to say about them because they're your blind. But you let somebody on the outside. I'm going to tell you something. Every time the devil and his cohorts come against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the saints of God get fired up. That's how the, that's how the church spread in the book of Acts when they came against them. You know what our response to this disrespect of Jesus is? It's not try to create a defense for him. Just live for him. Just live for him. Just do what he says. Live what he says. Obey what he says. Uh, uh, read his word. Pray. Give your offering. Give your tithe. Use your talent. Use your time. Your treasure. Just live for him. Bow your heads, please. Oh, thank you for your tolerating and your, for your indulging. Everybody whisper a prayer this morning. What are we going to do with Jesus? He doesn't just want to be your best friend and your problem solver. He wants to be living, breathing, moving, everyday relationship with you. Now, I'm, as your head bowed and eyes are closed, in that Barbara Walters ABC 2020 heaven thing, there were different concepts of heaven, where it is, and whether it even exists. Heads bowed and eyes closed. In, in, that, in that process of that interview... She even interviewed an atheist who said there's no heaven, there's no hell. So everybody seems to be an authority. But the final authority is God himself and the word. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. There's coming a day when all of us will stand before God. Every one of us will be judged. And our final destination at that judgment will be contingent upon what we did with this life. And who was our Lord and God, if any. With your head bowed and eyes closed, today is your opportunity. Jesus doesn't want you to make him a Jesus that you're comfortable with. Hear me now. We don't have the prerogative to make a Jesus like us. Jesus didn't come to be us. He didn't. He is not us. He is God. There was a time when he came to be among us. But our decision must be made today. And if you're not serving him today, this moment, pray Christians in your spirit. This is your moment of decision. If you've been lackadaisical, if you've been, you've lost the fire. You've lost the zeal.
You've been consumed with other distractions. I invite you this morning to make a fresh dedication to Christ. With head bows and eyes closed, you say, Pastor Allen, I know if I die today, I know that I won't make it to heaven. And I don't want to risk that. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my name is in God's book. And I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when Jesus comes in the rapture, if I'm alive, or he calls me home, that I will be with him forever. I choose to accept the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of the media. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, raise your hands. Hold it up for just a moment. Thank you. Nobody else looking. Hold it up. Hold it up a little higher. I just, I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to single you out. Many. Put them down. Put them down. Thank you. Stand with you, many. Everyone, would you stand all over the house? Stand all over the house. Come on. All over the church. Oh, blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Look, look at me here now. Do you know that you should never give up on an unsaved wife or husband? Do you know right now, this morning, you should never give up on a son or daughter, grandson, granddaughter? Who will tell them unless we do? Who will go unless we're willing? So you didn't raise your hands because you are safe, saved, and secure in Jesus. And I commend that. But there's a world that needs what we have. And all of us are running out of time. Did you hear me? All of us are running out of the time. One of, one of our precious brothers this morning, and he, he said to me, known him all my ministry here, and I won't single him out. And he told me his age, and he says, if in the next year or so, or a few years to come, something happens to me. Looked me right in the eyes, put his hand on my shoulders and said, would you preach my service? I said, brother, what I prefer is all of us go up in the same load called the rapture. But I said, brother, it will be an honor to preach your service. Because you know why? He's preaching his funeral right now. I won't have to hunt for words for him. He's preaching his... He's, but how he lived last month, last year, 20 years ago. The kind of daddy, granddaddy, husband, father, provider he is. He's pre- and, and you are preaching your own funeral. Pastor, I'm saved, but I, ain't, I got to have some help from Jesus Everybody just needs him. Raise up your hand and begin to receive him now. Raise up your hands all over the church. Pray over any and everything. If you raise your hand to be saved, pray right now in Jesus' name. Come on, pray above a whisper. Call out to God. God, I got son, a daughter not saved. I got a, I, I, I got a boss that's not saved. I, I got a mother, a father not saved, God. I don't want to go to heaven alone. Not when everybody can go. With, come on, come on, raise it up. Lord, I, I need to forgive somebody who done me wrong. Come on, pray that way. I, I need to, Lord, I don't want to be a criticizer. I don't want to be a fault finder. I don't want to be somebody, oh God, who curses the name of Jesus. Come on. I don't want to be somebody who laughs at jokes about Jesus. I don't want to be somebody who makes fun of the Bible or the cross. Come on. I want to be holy. I want to be cleansed. Come on, Lord, I pray that you'd forgive every one of our sins. The sins of omission and the sins of commission. My Lord, I ask you right now, Lord, that revival will take place in us. We have shut our mouth when we should have spoken up. 
We have closed our eyes when we should have opened them. Come on, somebody. We have put our fingers in our ears when we should have moved our fingers and tell the truth that the others can hear the truth. Come on. God, I pray that the fire of the Lord would burn in our bodies. I pray the Holy Ghost would move into our lives. I pray that we will be salt and light. I pray that we will be a living Bible. Oh God, don't let us leave it up to the pastor. Don't let us leave it up, oh God, to the church. Every one of us is an evangelist. Every one of us is light. Use us, oh God. Use us, I pray. I praise you, Lord. Now, everyone, one more time. Put your hands lifted up like this. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Look up to heaven. Don't even close your eyes. Look up to heaven. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I have heard your word today. And I am responsible for my response. I choose, Jesus, to obey you, honor you, and serve you. Today, Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me, to wash away my sins. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. Give me the ability to love and forgive and to serve you. Today, Lord, I say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the church. Thank you for eternal life. Amen. Amen. And amen. Come on and praise Him. Sing, sing. Come on, we got a moment. Come on, help me praise Him. Help me.